Sweet, we're back. It's been a while. I am here with Rudy Sandoval, who's perfectly happy with koala bears burning in Australia. I am Wendell Souza, a man who loves all of God's earthly creatures. And we've been gone for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, you got married, and uh, we had Thanksgiving and Christmas and all that stuff going on. Yeah, holidays hit us like a brick in the face. And um, I love koala bears, by the way. Um, <laughs> but anyways. Uh, I'm indifferent. There's been a lot of stuff going on recently. Um, yeah. The ATA show just kind of went through, and there was like this, that big exciting news with John Dudley switching to PSE and, you know, Dave Cousins. Um, a lot of people moving around with boat companies and stuff. Yeah, I think uh, I think Jim Dudley switching is like a big deal for a lot of people. I think uh, I think a lot of people care about what boat that guy's shooting. Yeah, I mean it's good. I mean I think John has a re- is really what he's doing is really well. His name's John. John Dudley. What he's doing is really big in the archery industry. Oh wow! So you know lots of people look to him for education because there's not a whole lot of channels out there that's true there's he does not, there's not a lot of places that give good information he does give people the free. uh the meat and potatoes like the yeah. bare bones yeah and it's it's free info. it is free it is free yeah. you know and uh i think for most people it's really helpful however yeah. um it's interesting because like i've been following it pretty closely um and uh just based on what i've seen as far as like Things that he said in interviews and things that, you know, other people directly around him have, have said, you know, seems that Hoyt was pretty happy for him and the departure was pretty, like... Mutual. Mutual, and it was done respectfully, meaning, like, everything was... Uh, uh, like Harmonious. It was just, yeah, it was just a good transition. Uh-huh. However, there are, of course, the fan, the fan base and the people that are the fanboys that seem to make, I think, a bigger deal out of it than the people that are directly affected by it, which is him and his family, you mm-hmm. know? So it seems like I, it seems like a lot of people are, like, freaking out because they maybe just bought a, a Hoyt and now they're, like, don't know what to do because the, the man that they idolize is no longer shooting the same bow as them. Uh-huh. And um, I would urge people to say, to, to say, Keep shooting whatever you're shooting. You know, if you want to get a new bow, get a new bow. Right. But at at one point, you chose something because it felt right and it was great. And, you know, don't don't base yourself on other people. Especially beginner teachings. Like, John Dudley's great. He teaches a lot of beginner stuff. But at some point... It's you not, can, not beginner. It's just that... A lot of it's beginner. You can grow past the stuff John Dudley teaches... No, yeah. no, no, you're, you're missing what I'm saying. What I'm saying uh, is probably. that you're missing completely what I'm saying. I'm sorry. What, what I'm trying to say is, um, like, stop with the fanboy stuff. Like, shoot what's good for you. And um, don't, 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 uh, don't identify yourself through other people. And, you know, learn from people, have mentors, but don't idolize people. And the same goes for us, too, because you know what? Like, we're just human beings. We make mistakes. Um, some of us shoot really well. And, uh, don't, uh, you know, just cause we're doing something doesn't mean that you have to shoot exactly the same bow that we're shooting or do exactly the same thing that we're doing. I'm you okay. Know, find what works. I'm for okay you. with you guys idolizing me. That's fine. I am not. I idolized. I, I bought a Matthews bow so I could, cause Mark Rubio had one 
And then last week, I was hanging out with Ben Hobbs at the Wilderness shoot, and now I'm just going to, like, no joke, I'm going to probably copy everything Ben Hobbs is doing for a season and see how that works for me. Yeah, well, if you're going to copy somebody, then Ben Hobbs is definitely the guy to copy. Yeah, so a lot of people that listen know that I fanboy out over, you know, certain shooters. I think I fanned out. Did I get crazy over Alan Brunetta? I, I think you did that one more off the mic than... More off the I mic. Think, I think Brandon Williamson, Brandon Williamson, and I got Mark Rubio have been kind of your. I choked. I choked all over Brandon Williamson. Well, now it's Ben Hobbs. A lot of people don't know this is like a local. Uh, can we call him local? He's, yes, he's, he's in our Northern California, Northern California area. Heavy hitter, a super heavy hitter. Oh, do you know the things that he's won? There's so many. Yeah. So for you guys that don't know, like. This is just an example for everyone that is way on John Dudley's nuts. Like, there's other guys that are here that are local that could outshoot John Dudley. There are guys that have won huge events. And why, why do you have to say that? What? Outshoot John Dudley? Yeah. I don't know. It's it just I think I could outshoot Joe Rogan. I, it, it just it, I don't know why everyone like puts him on a pedestal. Like, see, because the thing is, you're you, you tend to like. Because you're you're really you're really you're such a good talented shooter, right? Like uh-huh. You're so good, but well, then you. it's like, and it's like just because every someone doesn't maybe shoot at your ability, doesn't mean that they know less or are less valuable. That's true. That's one hundred percent true. Because everyone has something to bring to the table. But I do think some people shoot good, and then they use that to sell stuff, well, sell snake oil to. All I don't. Us I don't archers. think. Th- I don't think there's. Any, I don't think it's snake oil. I just think that some of it's. A little I bit mean, of what you, I mean, I'm I work in a shop, man. It's my job to sell product. It's like if I'm selling a bow, does that make me a disingenuous person, or am I just selling a product to somebody who wants something that wants? You something? sell legitimate product, though. Yeah, and I don't think any of those guys are not selling anything illegitimately. Oh, well, yeah, they're selling actual releases and stuff. But I mean, I don't know. I'm just gonna say, you know, do, you're you you do you. <laughs> and who cares about okay. anything well, anyone else is doing? Back to what I'm saying. There's guys up there at, at Wilderness, but, but locally, yeah, locally we have some really talented people. Ben Hobbs, that you have access to. That everyone Mark who's listening to this podcast can yeah. walk up to these guys and ask them how to questions. shoot and talk to them, and they're they're going to give you their honest opinion and they're going to treat you. They'll tell you some shit you never heard on Knock On before. You, you know, like me. Just for example, Mark Rubio, national champion, or national record holder, for sure. Well, uh, who else is in that area that is just a heavy hitter? Paige is, she's from Northern California, but you yeah. probably never get a chance to talk to her. You would at Reading, you probably would. Like she's really approachable, cool person to talk to. And then and the and then on that uh, Facebook page, the Target Archers Unlimited, uh-huh. like that's been a really cool online forum because it's like you can go on there and. They don't allow any nonsense. I don't know. It, they, they don't allow any nonsense on that forum, dude. Like, if you're on there trying to solicit product, or you're in there, like, trying to, like, uh, basically, it's everything that, like, uh, our true talk is not. Ah, uh, well, that's you good. You know, and so, and so, like, you can get, like, I see Tim Gillingham and Paige posting on there all the time and answering people's questions. Oh, that's So cool. they're, like, super approachable. They're helpful. They're being helpful. Yeah. But you're right. Northern California, heavy hitters. Ben Hobbs, Paige, Paige Pierce. Mark Rubio. Mark Rubio. Uh, Randy Long. 
yeah, I mean, there's a lot of these guys out there that, I mean, Randy Long won Reading, you know, in senior class. That's badass. Uh, you know. That's a lot of stuff that people don't know about, you know, especially guys in our area that you could benefit from knowing who these guys are and knowing that you will see them yeah. at, like, these indoor shoots that we go to. Yeah, you know? live, live in the flesh, not online. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. I like that. Live in the flesh. And, you know, I, I, I've, I joined that Facebook group, but uh, there's just some personalities on there that, you know, get me a little choked up, and I just had to, I had to leave the group, so. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, everyone thinks like we look, well, everyone, I mean, you and I look a lot like the same, and people get us confused, but we couldn't be like completely opposite. We look the same? Similar. Dude, I look like a CrossFitter. Okay. <laughs> well, don't laugh. That's not a so, joke. That's so, real. Uh, anyways, back to like archery. Uh-huh. Um, we've been doing uh, a lot of indoor shoots. And this weekend, we're going to be doing something a little bit different than uh, outside of Vegas prep. Right. By the time this podcast goes live, we'll probably already have passed, right? Yeah. So this weekend is the Cal Expo. Uh-huh. Um, it actually started today. And uh, basically, it's... A huge show where people uh, vendors come it's a consumer based show so that it's not like ata where it's only a dealer or a buying show so you have manufacturers and a lot of uh, outfitters like you know um you know uh, sharing sharing uh, their products and also selling hunts and getting mm-hmm. people to go check out different parts of the world and stuff so there's also a 3d uh yeah, so the reason why it interests me is there's a 3D tournament being held on by the the wilderness guys. Yeah, so wilderness archery in Sacramento. Oh, sorry, up in Rockland, California, which is pretty much Sacramento, um, is hosting a uh, OPA style shoot, and uh, for Friday and Saturday, um, they have an amateur and uh, amateur freestyle and bow hunter class um, where you can compete and you can shoot. win bows. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff you can win. But on Sunday, they're going to have a pro class where um, there's going to be some serious money. They're offering a minimum of $3,500. Wow. Um, pot. So. $3,500 worth of pot? No, the, the pot is $3,500. Oh, a pot. Of dollars. Okay. Yes, dollars. Got prize money. Prize money, yes. Sweet. So uh, that's going to be a little bit different than, than Vegas since that's only three, what, not three weeks away. Right, Vegas is coming up quick, and this is a whole different style of shooting. Yeah, the, the longest to. distance we have to shoot is fifty-five yards, but which normally would be pretty easy. But we've been doing indoor with an indoor setup, yeah, for months now. Yeah, I forgot to. I went out there today, and they had a practice range, and you know, I forgot that my sight actually moves. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> let's just say the first era wasn't anywhere near the end. Like, what center shot? Oh, it's insane. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a hole on the bail uh, on the paper target. So let me. How have you prepared? Well, we'll get back to indoor in just a second. But let's just assume you have an indoor setup, which you did. How did you switch everything for this 3D event right away? So I'm gonna say that after today, I feel like I'm not even remotely close to being prepared. Do you feel like you for can this event get prepared by Sunday? I think I can get my head where I need to be in time for uh-huh. it before Sunday. It's just that uh, as far as like getting into the rhythm of things, 
you know, when when I switch from outdoor from indoor to outdoor, I I have to shoot a lot of arrows uh-huh. outdoors and just get to kind of acclimate, moving my sight and uh-huh. kind of relearning my my tape. And that's the other thing too is that, you know, I shot a Prevail for three years, and so that's three indoor seasons and and three outdoor seasons, mm-hmm. right? You know, so the transition from outdoor to indoor, I had a pretty good idea of how my arrows were going to fly. You're shooting X10. I know I'm shooting X10s outdoors, so, you know, pretty used to my sight tape. You know, the, the feet per second doesn't change very much from... It's all very similar. Yeah, it's all pretty, pretty uh, uh, similar. Consistent, yeah. With this, right, I've been shooting aluminums this season. I decided to give aluminum a try this, this season and uh, for indoor, and then I now go from an aluminum arrow to a Super Drive 23, which I weighed on my scale... And even with like 140 grain points in my draw length, that arrow weighs like 365 grains. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. Guess so, about 360. So there's this, you know, big old fat arrow flying out of my bow extremely fast, and I'm just not used to it. Right. And and so how it reacts and what it does, you know, if you know, it's just I, I don't feel like I've had enough time to really prepare the way I want to. But at the same time, though, I'm not going to bitch out, and I'm just going to go for it. So... You feel I, confident? All I did was. Do you feel uh, confident you're gonna place high in the? Or do you not think about that? You're just gonna go out there and give it away. I'm just gonna go out there and give my best, but um, but yeah, I do have an expect. At any event I go to, whether I win or or lose, I I do have an expectation to do well, to do well, and and be up there. Uh-huh. And, right. Uh huh. And I wouldn't I wouldn't have I wouldn't have taken a one week off of training for Vegas. If I didn't think I had, I didn't have a chance. Because uh-huh. if I didn't think I had, a, I didn't have a chance. I wouldn't even have wasted even do it. time and energy. Right. Well, the I mean, how do you feel about that? Like well, for you, um. So last year I shot, or it might have been two years ago, I shot this event and completely bombed it. I think I missed up my sight on one target and then just missed all kinds of stuff. And I always vowed I was going to come back and do this one properly. And so, you know, I haven't really had. I, this event's in two days. I don't have any sight marks, but I plan to give get some solid marks tomorrow, and I do feel good about it. I do feel I feel like I'm, I did the same thing. Switch from an aluminum arrow to a, a really light carbon twenty three diameter. I think I'm shooting tank twenty threes that Randall gave me, and so uh, you know. Aside from that, I mean, I'm also shooting a bow that I just switched switched bows out of the blue recently. Um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of. Um... It's different, and I think if I make good shots, I know the twenty three is going to hit. So I got a set of marks. I went out there today and and tried to test them on the three Ds that they had set up. They had like the the you know a range set up there. Um, I don't know if it's going to be different or not for the shoot on Sunday, but um, and it's all marked, so it doesn't right. It, you know, it's not a. We can use our range finders. We can, yeah, we can use a range finder. For but, anyone that uh, doesn't know what the OPA style is, just. Google or go to YouTube and type in OPA archery, and it's really cool to watch. It's basically, it's basically a marked, it's basically a known like the known fifty in ASA. It's uh-huh. their Delta McKenzie targets, so they have a twelve ring, ten uh-huh. ring, and, a, and you know that little fourteen dot up in the corner. Yeah, out in the corner. And uh, but the only difference here is that the dots are actually painted, yes. so you can see the little dot. Um, but I don't know. I went out there and tried to shoot him today, and um, it was so cold. 
my hands were frozen. I've been shooting indoors in this like comfortable environment. So um, I don't feel like I got as much as I wanted out of today's practice as I wanted to. Uh-huh. So I'm just uh-huh. gonna get up really early tomorrow, go check my marks, and that's all I can do. It's just yeah. make sure my marks are good, and then yeah. you know if I hit the dot or not, it's because I, I I executed a good shot or I didn't. Yeah, I think with this shorter notice on a tournament like this, the best thing you could do is get solid marks, and then just get out there and try to hit some spots. Well, I I think I feel like I had plenty of notice. It's just a matter of how much time was I willing to give to it. Uh huh. You know, and that's like with any event, and it's like I hope. Like this, what we're talking about right now, the reason we're talking, I, the reason I wanted to talk about it is um, a lot of guys give this amount of practice to everything that they do. Like not archery related or all like archery? Just in archery related, meaning uh-huh. like, meaning like the amount of practice, I can't, I mean, I have a high expectation just because I know I've been shooting a bow a lot of arrows every day for for indoor but a lot of guys go to all events with as prepared as i'm about to go into this next event uh-huh which is laughable oh most meaning meaning like a lot of guys will go to to reading or they'll go to vegas and, and then wonder to, why they didn't shoot a 900 and yeah and it's like they really haven't done the kind of preparation that they needed to yes. be ready for that event. And so, um, I mean, you had you had uh, in your notes there somebody who uh, asked a question about practice, right? Yeah, it was actually in relation to, to tweaking stuff also. Because I think that's a – maybe this is a good point to answer that question because, you know, like, like if, if, um, if you have to get ready for an event, you know, and, and you've only just got marks a few days prior. You, I mean, you're not you're not that ready for it. Right. Well, the, what I'm leaning on for Sunday is the fact that I've been shooting a whole bunch. Yeah. I've shot a gang of arrows. I got my new Supra Focus shooting pretty decent. It feels good. Now, yeah, I do have to shoot at distance because it'll feel different. Yeah. But I mean, the only difference is that we've been shooting every day for indoor yeah right but what i'm saying is that if the amount of actual outdoor practice that we put in to go to this this event that's about the same amount of practice that most guys put into their all their target right all year round yeah you know and then and have this expectation to um to to do well or they're disappointed when they don't shoot well well. it's like yeah really honestly like to to do well at these kinds of events you got to practice those targets you have to like you have to be comfortable. With be that. comfortable with that, aiming at that little tiny dot. You yeah, know? I think it's an inch and three quarters is the size yeah. of the dot. I might be wrong. It might be an inch and a half actually. Yeah, but, I mean uh, it's, it's it's tiny. At fifty five yards, that's a tiny ass dot for sure. Yeah, so. but I feel like we shoot enough that I mean it should shouldn't be that big of a deal. Uh huh. Well, Mark Rugo told me some super top secret goodies that I'm gonna try to uh, implement when I'm shooting, and I'm hoping. You know. Yeah, him and Aaron, him and Aaron gave me some pointers today on, on how to shoot it because, like, this is the first time that I've ever shot anything like that. I mean, we're 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 field and target shooters. I mean, we don't we don't really shoot much three D. Uh, I'm personally just more of a hunter that just kind of fell into yeah target. <laughs> I really don't 
mean, I I'm just about shooting Luminox in the backyard. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think this is probably our week. Going to be our weakest episode, ladies and gentlemen. No way! No way! This is going to be one of the best episodes. Look at okay. First off, let's get into some of the, the nitty gritty that people want to hear about. All right, uh, indoor prep. All right, that's what people want to hear about. We're yes. three weeks out from Vegas. Everyone's wondering what you're doing to prepare. When I, everyone's asking me, you know, oh, what do you do? What are you What are you doing? And so, uh, you know, I the first question, the first thing I wanted to pose to everyone else. I think we've talked about vein direction on an indoor arrow before. Yeah, I think I think so. You were you were going off about how it doesn't matter, right? How it doesn't matter. I do believe I said it didn't matter, and you I've, said it didn't matter, and I believe I said that it only matters to me just when I'm shooting really big veins. I like to go left left helical so it can clear the cable. Good cable clearance, there. right? And, that, and that's about it. Like, well, okay, so I've done a, like extensive testing and. I was wrong. I'll be the first person to say I think vein direction uh, on your arrow is a huge deal. And um, uh, basically, the best way to figure this out is to shoot a bear shaft into a target at about three feet. Put a little first. Put a mark by your knock. Right? Would you agree? Shoot it into the bale. See what direction it rotates. Yeah, I guess so. But I don't even do that. You should. Everyone should do this. Okay, so maybe everyone should do this. I, I'm not sure if it is as critical for a fast carbon arrow, but for a slow aluminum arrow, or just a slow arrow, I do believe this is huge. That I, I went from shooting uh, like 22Xs, uh, 300 rounds, to 27 mm -hmm. after I, I fixed the helical direction. You know, I think, I think what we'll probably have to do to figure this out is to like get a slow motion camera. Okay, so and actually see how it's I actually did this. coming out of the boat. I actually did this. Uh, yeah, but with a real one, not just your iPhone. Uh, it was my iPhone, but it was fast enough. Uh, both my wife and Jim Padilla uh, filmed me shooting, and with the right helical, my my arrows, my Matthews bow naturally spins arrows left, right or uh, counterclockwise, and I had all my arrows fletched right helical, and you could literally see it. At, like when I I had big Q2I veins on it, but you'd shoot it, and at about fifteen feet. Uh, the arrow would kind of, it looked like it would turn and then it would kind of like do this weird ass shake and then like correct in a really strange way. It didn't fly straight. So it was like a cat ready to pounce. That's exactly what it looked like. That's exactly <laughs> what it looked like. It was so fucking weird. Oh, the only reason I said uh, that cat came to mind is because Wendell has like a cat calendar that's I'm staring at right now. It's a mountain lion, dude. I'm a hunter and everything I have is mountain lions and mule deer. Muley bulls and stuff like that. Yes. So anyway, the arrow would do this weird shimmy. I um, I you know I know what you're talking about. It's a, little, it's a little kit, yeah, little kick, yeah. Yeah, I stripped the veins off, shot it, saw that the arrow naturally rotates to the right. And you did that by shooting at the short bail by marking it with the sharpie, and then slowly walking back and seeing which way it was. I didn't even have to. I was at three feet uh, or six feet. I, I just marked the arrow. I think I might have had it backwards. I, I might have had him fletched left helical. And then I shot it, and the arrow rotated to the right. So then I refletched everything right helical and videotaped it. The arrows flew fucking straight. Like, no weird kick out. And this was out of the Matthews. Yeah, this was out of my Matthews. I did the same test with my Focus. The arrows already went left. Like, they are, they naturally rotated left. So I stripped everything down again. and So both bows were shooting them differently. Yeah, both bows were shooting them and, differently. And, and it 
it doesn't have to do with the string. It, it doesn't. So that's the other thing that I have to eat my words on. I said it's string dependent because I watched George Riles prove this with a string. But um, I, I just recently, when I was down at Impact, uh, shooting their tournament, uh, Adam Ross uh, shot his bow, and he had like string twists that would indicate like a left spin on an arrow, if that were true. And he shot it bare, and the shit rotated right. So his theory is that it has something to do with the way the cams deflect between full draw and firing, and that's what imparts the spin on your arrow. Could be something a little bit of both. Could be all bows are different. You know what? What causes it? I have no freaking clue. No, but there, it doesn't matter what causes it. You guys can figure this shit out by just shooting a bare shaft. Mark it, shoot it, see what direction it turns, fletch in that direction. And I'm telling you, you'll gain X's out of it. it it's it's okay, so money. Question though. Uh-huh. But for the for the person that's gonna gain the amount of X's, what kind of what kind of game do you think you need to be shooting or what kind of how how at what skill level do you think you need to be at before this actually means anything? Okay, well I gained X's. I don't know, you know, if you're, uh, you know, if you were born with two left hands, maybe you shoot like, you know, 260 score. Yeah. I, I bet you do this, you shoot 270. Okay. You know, I, I'm, I'm, it was that um, profound of an improvement. Well, do you think, do you think, all do you think there's a little about. bit of placebo there? No, no, because I don't fall for placebo bullshit. I am fact oriented only. Like, that's it. It, it mm-hmm. fucking worked, and that's why I'm on it. Like, all right, crazy. I'm just saying, I'm a little skeptical, that's all. That's Don't, all. dude, do it! Let's do it! Let's do all it! Right. All right, I'll do, I'll do it, but, you know, it's this close to Vegas. You know, my stuff's shooting. Well, then we should do it now, so you can get those X's in you. All right, well, let's get through the weekend, and then we'll, we'll tr- I'll try it, and then, you know, make a believer out of me, and then, you know. I'd love to. I'd love to. It's, we'll, it's one we'll, of the and cheapest then, And then we'll, we'll, do, we'll do, like, a follow-up. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, it, is there, this is like some kind of bet. Do I get something if it works? No, you just you get to just help a buddy out. You admit on air that you know I showed you something. Yeah, that's fine. Sweet. You show me stuff all the time. I don't know why you think I don't. I don't know. So anyway, I, again, I'm not sure how crucial this is for really fast carbon arrows. I know for a fact it is killer on aluminum arrows. Like it is, it's stellar. Uh, um, you know, uh, with that being said, uh, another thing I've been working on with the uh, aluminum arrows, I, I, I kind of talked to you about this earlier. I saw someone on uh, Archery Talk talking about breaking the spine of a 2712 by loading yeah. it up with point weight. You were a little, you got a little bit. I got really heated. You, you got really excited. And so, first off, this is my dumbass fault for going on Archery Talk. Don't ever go to Archery Talk if you're trying to learn something. It's the only you only go there if you just want to watch. Well, two things will happen. You'll either ask a question legitimately, and then you'll have to go through about fifteen guys that will make some sort of comment about why you're an idiot, and then you might get one really good answer, and then and then it just turns into a big flex. So then there's like exactly you know yeah no, it's just unfortunate. It's it's watching a bunch of retards verbally slap fight for the lack of a better word not the word i would have chose no nah, well, okay. um uh but basically someone was asking about breaking the spine of a 2712 and i i don't believe that you can quote break the spine of a 2712 
Do you know what the the effective spine of a twenty seven twelve is, Rudy? I think it's like two fifty or something. Like two fifty full length, right? Yeah. For my draw length and the poundage that I choose to shoot, um, a, a properly spined arrow for me is five hundred. Actually, you could break the spine of the twenty seven twelve with what, like twelve hundred grain points? I think you'd have to shoot uh, like a thirty one inch arrow at like seventy two pounds. <laughs> and and you at, at thirty one inch draw length, you got yourself <laughs> at thirty one inch draw. <laughs> you got yourself a white tail killer. <laughs> I, I think I, I ran I like ran the numbers and it was like if you want to break the spine, if I wanted to properly spine a twenty seven twelve, I'd have to shoot like a six hundred grain point on an eighty inch arrow. So you know it's like not. I, I don't think there is breaking the spine, but I did find running a really heavy point. Seemed to help out really well, and it seemed yeah. to soak up a lot of my. So you my ran what? Shots. The 300, 300, right. 300 uh, grain point. I have three twenty fives in there. Oh, right three twenty fives. And you've had no. some pretty good results. You shot some really good games with that. I know Austin Watts uh, is shooting like two eighties, I think, or two seventy fives or two eighties, and he's yeah. he's crushing it. He shoots great, and he he was saying like, "Oh man, this is the." This he is does the way something go. that's really weird, and like I thought it was a little bit. You know, out there, but you know, to each his own. So he was telling me that he runs his draw length an inch longer for indoor than he does for outdoor. Yeah, I've heard and, of guys doing he, that. And you know, because I was watching him, like you know, at the Bay Area Open, and like, I mean, he was, I mean, he was pretty out there. But you know what? He was pounding. It it worked for him. I don't, I don't think my shoulders could deal with that. You I've know? I've heard about guys running a longer draw length indoors. Yeah. But I, well, I don't see. I've it. heard. I've you know what? I actually heard uh, George Riles talking about it uh, once. But I mean, when I think the way he described it was like adding. I mean, we're talking maybe like a couple twists. To your yeah, cables. like yeah, yeah. Long meaning uh, a few twists in the in the cables and versus a few twists in the string. You know, not like one inch. But you know what though? It's like the the thing is is. Uh, you find something that kind of that works for you, and if you're confident in it, right? As long as you're not hurting yourself or somebody else, then like, who's to really say that? Yeah, if you can wrong? throw down 300s, do whatever it takes. Yeah, I think uh, I think Rio he did this post on Instagram where he talks about it's a little video where he talks about just being really comfortable. Uh-huh. If you can just be really comfortable and make the you know, I mean that's what it comes down to. Right. If you're uncomfortable with your bow, you're not going to shoot well. Right. I think, yeah. and you're not going to practice because if it's uncomfortable to practice, then you're not going to want to practice. Right. So, yeah, for people that uh, listen to this regularly, Austin Watts is this young man that I've been ranting and raving about being uh, the destruction of our archery careers. He's like one of these up and coming no, shooters. He's, he's like going to destroy. He's like the youth that's uh, like one of the youth. Him, Drake Taylor, and all these kids are coming up that are just going to lay waste to us, and and then we're going to be you know. We're gonna be the old. No, they're just they're just gonna raise the bar, Wendell. That's we're gonna be the old sour buck herons of archery. I just hope that I'm in the senior class by the time they peak. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we can introduce these kids to drugs or something. <laughs> that's a horrible thing to say. Do not do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, someone else can introduce them to drugs. So we don't do that. No, nobody will. Okay, so um, I don't know. How, like we just kind of lightly touched on shooting frequency and tweaking your setup. Um, the real question is, and this is kind of like a weird question because it's going to be different for everyone, but when is it okay to tweak your gear? Uh, and how much of 
you know, whatever you're trying to solve via tweaking, can you fix with just good practice, good old fashioned practice? So I think that's a really good question. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to say this, right? There's just been so many times in my, in my, uh, in my shooting uh, career where I have made, I've had equipment malfunction that were not anything directly related to the quality of what the manufacturers produce, but just where I noticed something coming loose and I kind of ignored it or, you, you know what I mean? Like I, I ignored certain details. You ignored the symptoms my, of it. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of like, you know, yeah, yeah. exactly. I ignored, you ignored the symptoms and, and you could have, you know, taken some emergency and maybe beat the cold ahead of time, but you just, you know, you, you know, you just, out, out of out of either ego or negligence, you just let it happen anyway. And then you have, and then you have a catastrophic failure on game day. Yeah, then you have so yeah, so I think I think when it comes to tweaking, like it just it, it, if it has to happen the day before, then it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. But I think you need to have a plan. And so you know when you're doing your initial bow setup, I think that you should probably have some sort of notebook or or pictures on your phone or at least some sort of details. A reference. Uh, yeah, exactly. Some baseline on your equipment and what it is that you're doing because then if something changes or if you modify something, then you know where to go where to go back to. Right. And if something comes out of out of uh, out of uh, kilter, then you can fix it. So but that's also the thing is is the more you practice, the more wear and the more abuse you're putting on your equipment. So, you know, stuff comes loose, some vibrates. So Maybe what you need to do is maybe once a week, every other week, you know, whatever, Check your whatever frequency, just get in the habit of maybe, and this is probably something I should do for myself too. Um, and I kind of decided that I'm going to do this is I'm just regularly, you know, check your, check your, check your cam timing, check, you know, make, make a list of things that, 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 requ- that, you know, help you perform. You know, good cam timing. Mm-hmm. Make sure your second and third axis is is is, is on. Um, you know, and and just go through all your stuff. Check your serving, your center serving. Has it separated? Has it moved? You know, mm-hmm. all these like little details. And if you do, if you do this preventative, if you do all these checks, then you're you know, make sure everything's tightened down. You know, to take your check your stabilizer bolts, all that kind of stuff. I don't think you're gonna make sure everything's solid. Yeah, and so, but if you're tweaking because you're shooting poorly, right? You're putting yourself in a black hole. Yeah, because, because then you're just always going to be chasing your tail. Right. I so I think along these lines, um, that the more you practice, the more that if something does need to be changed, the more apparent and obvious it will become. Would you agree? Maybe not. Yeah, I think you start. There's a point where if you're if you're having good practice. You know, you should also be, like like Emerson says. You know, there there's that subjective tuning, meaning you're tuning the bow to feel right. And uh-huh. so when you find, you know, that right feel, or you get the your stabilizers balanced a certain way, you should you should have some sort of record or know what what those items are, so that you can always come back to that point. Right. Um, and then also knowing the cause of and effect of what you're what you're tweaking and tuning, like. Like you probably shouldn't be tweaking or making adjustments to your equipment unless you know exactly what it's gonna do. Right. 
when you're really close to an event. Oh, definitely. You know? Um, Unless you know, like, I want this to feel this way. And then you can deliberately change your D-loop length and then shoot it and be like, okay, that was good or bad. Or Or like even today, like like one thing that I noticed was, you know, uh, we've been shooting indoors this whole time and I had my stabilizers balanced a certain way, like just my sidebar. And so my bubble was sitting perfectly when shooting on level ground. And then when I went and got some side marks, you know, I noticed that standing on, 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 on dirt or on even ground that, you know, I just, my, my body was just balanced a little bit differently and I w- my bubble was riding one, one side. Uh-huh. And so I, I moved my bar uh-huh. and then everything, I moved my bar slightly in, uh, or sorry, slightly out and everything was money center. Today, I went to go shoot this uh, to warm up and practice for this wilderness thing. Well, it's set up on a pavement. Right. It's in a parking lot. It's in a parking lot, and it's on pavement. And it required me to put that bar back to where it was when I was shooting indoor. And so, you know, that was something where I just got my wrench out and I moved it. That's a confident, that's something that you could confidently do because I knew exactly what it was going to do to my shot. Right. I know exactly what it was going to do to feel. Right. Right. And so until you, you you're know, not completely tearing the bow down. Right. You know, doing so until you know exactly what, yeah. what that stuff is and probably leave it alone. That, that, that's actually very smart. Or, or talk to, or find someone who does know and, and figure out what, what, what's, what it's going to do. Right. Like, um, when I'm not completely changing what bow I'm shooting, yeah, I do the same thing and it's just, small little things that I like, you know, if anything, if I'm going to change anything, it's going to be, you know, my blade, you know, uh, stiffness or something like that. Yeah. But, but yeah, you do need to be really familiar with your shot process. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's tough to say, cause I think if you're a beginner and you're listening to this, I think the most important thing you can do is, is focus on, 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 you know, your steps of shooting and, and working on your process. Right, because all of this little tweaking stuff's not going to matter. Yeah, you know? if you can't break a shot in the middle, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, you, you need to you need to have you need to practice on on your process first. Once you have, once you've learned to execute a good shot, and then you you know, you can start to, to start getting into some of these, uh, these tweaks. And do you know what uh, step nine is on the NTS shot sequence? Don't. Go, don't. Don't I'm not even gonna answer that. Okay, well I'll let you guys. I think I think step nine is aim and expand, and I think that's the only thing they should have distilled that fourteen step or eleven step shot process into one, and just aim and expand. No, see see where you're wrong about that is that originally the whole NTS shot process was for recurve. Uh huh. Okay, and so that whole process is to break the steps up for someone shooting a recurve. In order for for them to consciously think about all these little steps, are you telling me you don't aim and expand? Yes, but exactly. Yes, but what I'm just but the thing is, is that a, a a person who picks up the bow their first day doesn't know what that is, or when they're first learning. You know, I'm, so I want to argue with you on that, but I can't. You're bringing up recurve, but trust me, <laughs> trust me on this. That you gotta. I mean, here's the thing, right? Like. The first step in, in that process is to adjust your stance or to know what your stance is, right? Right. Okay, so a beginner shooter has to consciously think of that every single time. 
if your feet aren't standing, if you're not, if your stance isn't set properly, uh-huh. then it's gonna, it, it's your stability. It's what sets you up for the whole shot. So, right. If it's changing all the time. Yeah. You know. So yeah. so the whole purpose of that process is to sort of give you some steps to follow. But as you get better, some of those steps sort of kind get of, condensed. Yeah. So so even so even but but I think it's important to revisit every like every year or so like you know and uh-huh. i think during a transition like you know what after you're done with with indoor and uh you're moving to outdoor maybe it's time to sort of tweak tweak the stance a little yeah see what happens when you you know yeah. when you adjust your stance because the thing is is that once you get in the field you know you can close up your stance a little bit and open up your stance a little bit when you're shooting up hills and downhills to help you make the shot true you know there's there's a little tiny once again, you, you can change something about yourself and even the bow. Uh-huh. Or change change something that you're doing so you don't have to make some kind of wacky adjustment on right. the fly. But, but anyways, before I get a bunch of hate mail for saying something like changing your form mid-shoot, <laughs> what, what I'm saying to say is that you... Um, you have to be familiar... You have to have... You have to be familiar with the process. You have to... You have to um, know what your steps are be familiar with your process and then once you're familiar with it you know it gets easier and then if right. and when you have something like nts that has all those steps it's easier to identify when maybe you make some when you're struggling and you don't know what it is you're doing to go back and it's easier to go back to the basics and, and follow a series of steps because you have a framework that you can rely on yeah rather than just trying to like you know figure just pull something out of thin air. Yeah. Try to know? force something blindly. Yeah. Okay. So I have another question for you. Uh, indoor prep. Uh, recently we were talking on the phone and you had told me something that you were thinking about practice. Well, well, first we'll get into like what everything you do for prepping for indoor. But do you remember telling me um, thinking of every arrow like a dollar and then, you know, if you were going to do this professionally, how much... What, you know, are you going to, I think you had to do, I think it was just, I think we were just sort of, I was making a, an analogy for analogy how many errors should be shot. I think I was trying to make a point about work ethic uh-huh. in this. And, and, and that kind of went back to what we were talking about earlier, where like some guys will go to Reading and they've just got marks a week prior uh-huh. to Reading. You're not ready for Reading. You, you know, if you did that, you know, yeah, or, or if you, or, or if you go or any event, you know, like expect so, to have fun and don't expect to, you know, yeah, but don't expect to don't clean don't day. expect to clean the first day, you know. Yeah. So what they're now basically what I said was in practice, you know, pre you know pre count all your arrows and pretend that you're getting paid one dollar per every arrow, uh-huh. right? And if you were to if you were to take every every you know if you were to earn a dollar for every arrow you shot, you know how would that compare? To your actual salary that you make from your job, right? How right? many arrows so you have to put are in? Are you a professional or are you a hobbyist? Ooh, see, that's good. I like that. You know, people and need so, to hear this. And so, all it was was me kind of just, I don't know. Every once in a while, I like to just, you know, yell and get on Wendell's case about stuff. Oh yeah, but I like that. You know, one. But, that one made a lot. But of sense I was to just me. sort of, you know, making making a compare. You know, just a it just something I thought of. But you know, you know, I think how many. Let's just say, what's the average salary in the U.S.? Uh, thirty-six thousand dollars. I think it's something closer to forty-five. Is the 
Okay. Average annual household income. Okay. So and you, like you Alabama? Got, you got your phone right there. Bust out the calculator. Okay. All okay. Right. Hold on. So take out, take 45,000. 45,000. Right. Uh huh. Divide that by 12. Divide that by 12. All right. That's 3,750. All right. Now divide that by four. Divide that by four. That's 937.5. So that's 937. Let's say 938 arrows a okay. week. That's how many arrows we should be shooting? Yes. 930. If, I'm falling then a divide short that, of that number. Divide that by seven. By how many days in the week that you practice? Ooh. Five man. days. Let's do five. Okay. That's. 187.6 arrows. That's 187 arrows a day, and you're just... That's 100... You're, that makes you an average shooter. That's 187 arrows in one drive and fire. You're, and you're average, right? Now, one, now, I remember Rio talking about how many games he shoots. Yeah, how many games does he shoot? Shoot in a day when he's getting ready for Vegas. How many? He said he shot like 10 games. Yeah, I saw... On so his... how many arrows is that? 10 games. That's uh, 300. How many arrows? Uh, 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 300. All right. Now multiply that times five. 300. I should be able to do that on my head. In my head. That's 1,500. All right. Now take that times that times 52. 52. 78,000. You're above average. Wow. That's amazing. $78,000. Right. That's but right. But obviously Rio's worth a lot more than that. So. Not, so. not living in Pocatello, Idaho or where the Backwoods, well, no, no, but I'm just, I'm just using. From. It was just, it, it may not make any sense, and some of you might think we're crazy for even talking about. No, it. no, this is great. But, though. but just, it was, it had to do with, okay, are you average or are you above average? And right. so, and so, I just use honestly. I bet you real probably shoots way more arrows than that during the outdoor season. Because I, no, I think that's correct. I think th- it's about this is what he. I'm just using that as an example of like, okay, here's someone who's way above average. Okay, uh-huh. if. Fifty thousand is the is average, you know. Another twenty eight thousand arrows I love is above this. average. This is like if Warren Buffett was going to explain how much you should practice, because he's just the money grubbing old guy. He's going to tell you how to do it. Like that's if you guys like are listening to this, that that is brilliant. If you practice five days a week, you need to shoot. I mean, I say you need to. If you want to shoot, if you want to sling arrows like a pro. Then shoot like a pro. There's your answer. Practice right like a pro. There, yeah, boom, right there. Plain and simple. If you want to be an average shooter, mm-hmm. then shoot like an average shooter. Bam. If you want to be below average, and just and just have fun and be a hobby and have it as a hobby, paint all your shit green. Just shut up. <laughs> then, then do it, man. Then do it. You know, but you know, and and you know what? Like you know, I honestly like I've heard like you know the at the Olympic Training Center. You know, they, they shoot three to four hundred arrows a day. That that sounds about right. You know, and uh, I'm going to say this. Maybe for every national title you win, you get a raise. That one dollar <laughs> now becomes worth a dollar twenty five. Oh, uh, dude, I'm, I'm, you still, know I'm still shooting like a minimum wage, bro. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, you earn more, you know, as you get better. Yeah. And, and that volume just, you know. Okay. Okay. So we got so, the, so what was so what was your other question? We got the shooting part down. So we know between the two of us and anyone listening, we know practice wise what it takes to compete on an elite level. I know. I really quick though. Uh-huh. I bet you someone's probably going to go back and check our math, and it's going to be like completely nuts. No, no. I use the calculator. It's on. Okay. It's 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 dead nuts right, right. there. But you um, get my you get my point. For, I'm sure someone will find some. 
flaw in the logic of the uh, path there, but only fucking weenies. But anyway, so we got the the practice frequency down. Uh, and like you said, I like how you said that. For as like the longer you've been shooting, the more experienced you are, you do get those raises, you get those bumps. Maybe you don't have to do two hundred. Maybe you can cut to like one ninety or one eighty or or whatever, right. depending on how experienced you are. Because I know some guys like Brandon. Well, or Brandon Williamson will say, no, I don't need to practice. I'm just going to go out there and fucking kill it. And he kills it. He don't need to practice because he's I been think, shooting I since. think there's some people that, uh, I'm not saying this is Brandon, but I'm just saying there's some people that they'll show up at a tournament and they'll be like, yeah, you know, I haven't shot my bow since that. Like, this is the first time I've shot my bow since such and such a day. And, and either they're not telling the truth or they're just saying that because if they don't perform well, then they have, they've already have a, a prepackaged excuse. And then if they do well, then everyone will be like, wow, look at how well he shot. And he I know. only you just shot funny? the bow like a week ago. None of us have ever kicked. That's not true. Like I've never heard Dave Cousins brag about how little he shot his bow. Right. Like every time that man performs and he performs quite well on a regular basis. He does okay. He, he's, he's, that man has, has shot his heart out in practice and has been prepared for every event that he's been to well if dave's listening you better just stay indoors because outside is my territory but back to the brandon thing like you're right brandon could be practicing all the time and then just saying he doesn't i've never kicked his bedroom door open to see him like blank bailing in there and he's like oh shut the door no i, I didn't say i didn't say brandon was i'm just saying in general oh yeah and, but he's one of those guys that i think has had enough experience to where he doesn't have to do the whole 200 you know he just needs a, a tune-up he just needs a He's make you're saying he's making five dollars an arrow. Yeah, he's one of those guys that's not making minimum wage, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, at the drive-through, he's on fries, is what I'm saying. You know. Okay. Anyway, maybe we're getting out into the weeds here, but yeah, I think you got a little so, sidetracked. So we got the frequency down. What about your? Everyone wants to know about your equipment. Like, how do you go about setting up all your equipment for indoor? And I know we've covered this in the past, but people want to hear like. This has been this season for me has been the most I've ever tweaked in my life. Yeah, and that's all your fault. Amphetamines or uh, like on like your gear? this is the most I've ever tweaked my bow equipment. I've never done. It's my fault. I've never done drugs like that. No. <laughs> but um, anyways, I think this is probably the most that I've messed with equipment. What have you tweaked exactly? Well, so this year I decided that I was gonna play with twenty seven twelves. Uh-huh. I played with, you know, you know, uh, 23 14s, 23-15s. We had a lot of fun playing around with yeah, the arrows. Yeah, we shot arrow super drives. We shot, you know, I have some full bores that, you know, from back in the day. I uh-huh. had some, um, I, I had a, let's, I had a lot of arrows that I played around with. And so one of, one of the big changes that I had to, to make was um, for the last year and a half, I got really accustomed to shooting the hamski, the dropaway rest. And right had really good results, but I was also a one arrow guy, you know, I was only shooting one arrow. I kind of picked an arrow and committed to it. Um, but this season, because I've been playing around with um, so many arrows, you know, I went into my toolbox and pulled out my, my spot hog swap, uh-huh. you know, and, and I actually even ordered extra um, bodies. So I have like four bodies. So I have like one for 2712. I got one for super drives. I got one for the 23s. Uh, the twenty. I'm sorry, the the X23s, and then I also have another one that I'm playing around with, or I'm getting ready to. When I switch to outdoor, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm ready to go. I also have a swap, and I agree. I think that yeah. is. Uh... And so, and so, as much as I like the drop away, um, 
you know, if you're going to be playing around, like, because I couldn't be readjusting to arrow rest every two seconds. Right. That when you're going to switch an arrow on the fly. Yeah, when I wanted to switch an arrow on the fly, like it was just really easy for me to change. So I didn't have to mess around with the tuning as much. So, so basically, I had to tune four different rests. Right. So that's like the most I've messed around with stuff. Right. You know, um, the spot hog swap is cool because it has that. It has yeah. a detachable like blade adjustment section, yeah. and you can pretty much just set it up for the individual arrow, take the screw out, and put a different one on for a different yeah. arrow. Um, I think I also played around with the loop length a little bit. I made, I ran my loop a little bit longer than D-loop? I normally do. Yeah, my D-loop. What did you normally run? I usually run it like right around. So I use a dial caliper to kind of measure okay. measure it, you know, with a little bit of tension. It's not a perfect way, but I typically have it like around like point, like right around point seven, point seven five. Uh huh. And um, I went ahead and now it's like point. It was like uh point nine. Oh, nice. And so just at, you know, and uh, I like that. I, it just. You know, get, it made me feel a little bit more comfortable. I felt like it helped me just get just my elbow and hand back just a little bit more. Uh huh. Because I I found a I found a draw length in string angle that just sat on my face very perfectly. You know, really light, not a lot of pressure. That's with the new Invicta. With the Invicta, yeah. And so, you know, um, I found a I found a a draw length on the bow that was working great, um, but that required me to adjust that D loop. So right. And then, as far as like actual cam timing and all that other stuff, you know, like um, imagine you're running I, even, I'm, even cam time on on the Invicta. I'm running it just a skosh um, more on the top. Okay. And um, and I noticed that for when I'm shooting, uh, when I'm shooting uh, the Vegas round, mm-hmm. or I'm shooting indoors, like having just a little bit more on the top can helps me kind of hold a little bit better and keeps the pin float down uh-huh. so that, on, for, the, on the close one. Wait, I, I'm going to call that a close target. So for relatively new people, you're just running your top cam advanced, which means when you pull back your top cam, it touches your, your top just draws, before the bottom yeah. one, maybe like top you know, draw 16th first. or so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you find it helps the hold? It helps me hold a little bit better on, on short stuff. But what I noticed this week um, is that when I'm shooting outside with a different you know, just in a different dot, different target, um, it does move a little bit more on me. So, uh-huh. I, you know, I ha- I'm going to have a theory. I'm going to run them even uh-huh. and then see how it holds outside awesome. on, on a field target. Tomorrow. I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to mess with it. I'm just going to leave it. Too close to the thing. But yeah, if you were no, to, but, it would but be. But I'm saying after Vegas and uh-huh. go to the outdoor season. If probably, you were to, it's a deliberate thing that you know you I'm going to do. I'm going to deliberately go and do that. It's, yeah. And it, I'm going to document the effect uh-huh you know that's yeah what i'm gonna do it'll either be better or it'll be worse, worse or the same yeah. yeah one thing i've been really happy with though is uh the uh i did change strings um you know i shot the exit wire magnums uh-huh for um like almost three years and those strings were amazing they good strings yeah and then um this year I decided to play around and try the gas bow strings Mm-hmm. And uh, man, they've been phenomenal. I, I like gas I've been, strings. I've been really impressed with with the like. I haven't had any serving separation. Um, the center the, the center serving held, holds up really well. Um, that ghost XV yeah. material looks any, really cool. Any uh, any tweaking that's been done in the bus cables has been because I was trying to find optimal drawing. 
that's awesome. And so, yeah, I'm about to throw some ghosts on my uh, my 38 over there. Yeah, um, I I picked up. I'm one of the 600 people that picked up a gas bowstrings contract. So, yeah, I can I can say they're killer strings. You know what? Like, it's funny. Like, I noticed that a lot of people are shooting their strings and they're getting a lot of attention right now. And it's like, and with good reason. And I think like in any industry, right? The you you have to have someone who's disrupting the market uh-huh. and they're disrupting the market, meaning they've raised the bar, uh-huh. you know, and, that, and, that, and that's either a cue for everyone else to also go along with them and, you know, and not, you know, and, and I just think, so from a dealer perspective, like they, their turnaround time is great. You can have a set of strings um, in, you in know, like a week, in about two to three days uh-huh. um, recently, you know, with hunting season and their popularity. Right, they have a it's new been, string. It's uh, been it's been closer to four days, four to five days, but their Ghost XV is now coming colors. Yeah, but the big thing is, is that like they ship their strings with speed knot. Oh, cool. Pre-installed, and so in the past, the string, some of the string makers, if let's say you know they don't you, touch it. Well, like let's use the PSE for example, right? If uh-huh. you were trying to change the string on some of the PSE bows, like they have, you know, you know, fifteen to twenty knocks. Really? In different look in some of their bows, if you look at them, they have a, a lot of knocks on them, right? And it's like, from, you know, how does a person, I mean, short of taking the string off, putting it on a on a stretcher, and then measuring the location of every single right. knock, right? How does a person know that information? You know, if you have to get it from the man, you have to either get it from the manufacturer, which not all manufacturers are, are willing to share that with right with you. Uh, you know, so what they've done is they they've created an extensive database of all those measurements, and so like I'll even call them and be like, "Hey, do you have the 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 data on this bow from such and such a date?" And they go, "Yep, we got." You know, they have they have all that information, and then the way that they 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 put those speed knocks on and the way they're crimped on there, you know, it's not it's not just a regular Saunders knock that's uh-huh. crimped on there. It's a brass. Uh... It's a it's a brass with special crimping tools it's it's not it's more sophisticated than uh-huh. just a simple knock you know and so um from a safety perspective if a bow is dry fired you don't have to worry about you know knocks flying off the string and hitting the riser and hitting you in the face or something like that you know right so because aside from archery this is how i make my money is with my face yeah um so okay you got killer not, strings not a not a good living by the way but you know <laughs> a, a living's a living i got a house though so. <laughs> but yeah no it's a I just been very impressed with their quality, mm-hmm. uh, their customer service. Like, I mean, if if you have a problem, like, like you, I, I mean, I've had when you're dealing with the public, you get people that have come up with some crazy stories about what happened to their bow, and and so far, like, you give them a call and be like, yeah, this is what the guy's claiming, and they're like, you know what, don't even worry about it. We're just gonna st-. like they just oh, we'll send you another set. We don't want them to be mad at you. We'll like you know, right. like they're like we'll take the blame. You know, oh, like, that totally happened. Just at the... total, like totally awesome people. You know, quick sidetrack. Like at the shop that I shoot at, some goofball dry fired, fired his bow, bow and then blamed it on uh, the bow company. You yeah. know, saying that the bow exploded and that well, like a knock went into his hand and. You know, he claimed that there was an arrow on, but he only yeah. had like two arrows in his quiver or something like that. It's like ah. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, um, that happens, dude. But yeah, so, so so you guys have to deal with some serious yeah, morons out there. But but back to you know tweaking. You know the strings are nice that I don't have to worry about uh-huh. the string. Mark Rubio says 
put the new strings on, shoot them a couple times, and then put your knock in. I'm mean, not your knock, your peep sight. Yeah, your name. If Rubio says that, then I'm probably gonna say that there's some so- something some kind to of that magical voodoo to that, right? So it's funny because um, someone else said to do that too. Yeah, who's a really who's no slouch and he's a pretty good shooter. Who? Jesse Broadwater. Oh wow. Yeah, so apparently, like, he also, for indoor, to get the optimal peep height, like, he will shoot inside in his bow without a peep sight at 20 yards to get the, the sight to sit where, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, it should, and then and then you he puts in the peep. Oh, whoa, afterwards. To, so then it's optimal for optimal 20 yards. Geometry. Yeah, optimal 20-yard geometry. What? Yeah. That's crazy. If you think about it, like, because how much... How much fussing do you do when you're setting up your system? You oh, what would you do if you use a clarifier? You just guess? You just shoot and blind? Well, it, it, I would imagine that like it's to get you close. I mean, I'm, I, right. I doubt you're shooting like 330X that way. <laughs> with no peep? With no peep, but <laughs> it's, you, you get what I'm saying. It's like it, it, it's yeah. that, you know, getting the, the scope to hit the yellow and then you know then inserting the peep right well you know everything mark says is kind of cryptic and like sort of a riddle so i kind of figure you know he tells you what you know what to do but doesn't tell you why he you know that's a mystery it's all smoke and mirrors after that yeah i think i think jesse probably explains it way better like i'm not saying he's i'm gonna say jesse probably has a, a good explanation for has it. a very good explanation okay why. so back to the question you got you got a solid set of strings on. You got swap rest. You got what other fiddling have you done? Outside of that, not a whole lot. Not a lot. Not, Otherwise, not, it's been fiddling with arrows. It's been it's been tweaking with the arrows that it's been. And what are you finding around. works good? Can you? Can, are there any like? I'm in love with the twenty three fourteen right now. You shoot a twenty three fourteen very good. Yeah. But and, I'm, I'm also just so everyone knows because. You know what most people are shooting is our twenty three fifteens. I'm shooting only fifty two pounds. I'm shooting really lightweight. And, and for so, indoor, and why so, the hell not? Why not? You and know? Uh, and I'm probably gonna shoot that outdoors this season. Probably just gonna run that fifty two. It feels super comfortable. I shot fifty one pounds no, at nationals. Have no doubt that I'll be able to hit a hundred with fifty two pounds. Oh, you will. You yeah. definitely will. Um. I've also shot 2314s. Uh, your 2314s, actually. Yeah. I won the AB Invitational with 2314 them. 2314 with 200 grain point. I might have 180s, but that's Those ones that I gave you were like, I believe they were cut to like 29 and a half. Uh huh. And the ones that I'm running with the 200, I think they're like 28 and a half. Okay. So. Give or take, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and then. Uh, Those 2314s are really awesome, really forgiving arrows. And as much as a big as as a big of a flex fletch fanboy as I am with the flex fletch vein, I've been getting a really good result with that AAP Max Stealth Hunter vein. Really? Yeah, for for my indoor. The guys. Stealth Hunter? Well, the the Max Stealth vein. The, the okay, because yeah. there there's a there's a Hunter. No, there's no, not. I'm, my apologies. The Hunter's like the blazer size one. Like, yeah, it looks like a triangle. Right. This one's you know the the you know the parabolic one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've been like getting a really good. And it's ribbed, right? For yes. the lack of a better word. Yeah. 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 It's got a, I don't know. I don't know if that has any effect at 20 yards or anything, but it 
seems to just give me the right amount of clearance because I've at least I haven't I've powder tested every single blade and I haven't had any contact. Oh, so there's a good one. People should understand. You powder test your shit. Yes. Tough so, actin to actin. And you spray that on your blade and uh, your and riser. You literally like go down to CVS or Walgreens or, you know, whatever your local. Um, uh-huh. Tell the guy out front, no, I don't have any change. Go in. You go in and you grab yourself a bottle of, of foot. Foot powder. Foot powder. The spray bottle. Tough actin to actin. Okay. Okay. And you spray that on your blade. Uh-huh. Or any part of the bow where you're trying to see if there's anything coming into contact. Uh-huh. And then you shoot it. And then you will see it'll it'll turn white, you know, and then you shoot the arrow or through it and you see what parts of it scrape. If off. it's touching anything, it will it'll smear. So are, are you ideally going for no contact? Mm-hmm. So I mean I mean there's gonna be like on the very tip of the blade you'll see like a little bit of a little bit of a, a little bit where it's rubbed off right on the very end of the prong. Yeah, but that's normal because that's where the I mean the it's where the arrow the arrow's like actually resting and rubbing against the blade, but what what I don't want to see is like what you sometimes see with a lot of shooters. Where they got one I can, prong I can super look, worn down. I can or... I can walk down the line and look at someone's bow and be like, you can just see where like the vein is like smacked that blade like a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. And there's like this these like ma- tons of lines going through there. And I'm just like, man, if you just rotated your knuck just a scotcheroo to the you would you would your your groups would probably just shrink up and then like Right. But like, you know. What I got to do. Who, so, who am I to say? Who am I to tell anybody? Anything? Well, you have a podcast, so um, that must mean I know what I'm talking about. It must be. Or, I doubt it. So I did some powder testing as well, but the way I did it, well, I, I didn't come up with this. Uh, but Emerson was saying he sprays the. Well, what we did was we sprayed the back of my arrows. We sprayed the. You sprayed the arrow itself. Sprayed the the em- back of the Emerson arrows. told you to do that. Uh huh. Oh. We did the veins and the shaft. In the back of the shaft, right? Snake oil. And then, sh- nope, it's not snake oil. It's real. You want to see some? <laughs> you want to see some shit? And then you shoot it, and then you'll see the prongs, right? It, it like you're actually riding more on one prong than the other. Yes. And you will. Um, I don't. So, I haven't figured that out. I don't know why it does that. I would imagine it has something to do with torque, you know, or or the bow not being perfectly like perfect. It's probably good enough to where you can get a bullet hole. But I bet you if it was better, like if you get better form or X, Y, or Z reason, mm. I bet you can get it piping right down the middle. I bet you if you took that bow, you put it in a hooter shooter and shot it, it would be And you're saying it no wears more on one side. Yeah, it'll ride more on one side. But basically, but what we did was... Do you think you should move your rest towards the side that it's wearing on the most? You would think, but if I'm, shooting a bullet, if I'm shooting a bullet hole, why mess with it? Yeah, but I've, for, on outdoor setups, I've had setups where, like, I had... Um, you know, a bullet hole, and then I went and shot it at sixty yards, and the group was like, you know, the size of you know, really the, like the side of a you know the same size as like a Volkswagen Chirago. All right, like <laughs> <laughs> it just this is big old pattern there, right? So you and then and then I've had I've had setups where, um, you know, I've done a like a you know, it's a decent tear. Uh-huh. You know, it's not tearing too crazy, and then I did just a regular walk back tune, and and I get a nice and that shot better. And then and then I went back to the paper, and it's still tearing. You know, and it's like so. And then I, for you, the you don't call it a bullet hole. Like I, if you get a bullet hole, you're not like recently. Mm, that's good. Recently, prevail uh-huh. has been bullet. The prevail was bullet hole. Uh-huh. 
like bullet hole out of prevail equals minimal uh, tweaking, minimal walk back, meaning like right. the walk back was like after I did a walk back and I did my little tweaks, when I went back to the paper, it was still bullet hole. I see. You know, so. I see. So you do the walk back after the bullet hole. Right. So the bow just tuned really well. Gotcha. Um, this bow, the Victor right now, um, bullet hole. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, but walk back had to move the the blade at least with the super drive 23s that i'm shooting right now had to move my rest more to the right right that makes sense right because it's so, a stiffer arrow and then uh but i haven't shot through paper after i've done these tweaks over the last few days on this particular right. bait so i don't know how it's going to tear uh-huh. but i do know that you know i got a bullet hole out of that arrow and then i went and shot it and now it's still getting kind of a little bit of left drift uh-huh. So I'm curious to see if it's still bullet hole when I go back and shoot through paper. I bet you, you know? it's a slight left tear. You know? If you get left drift of it, yeah. But but if, I bet you it's slight. But if it's but if it's a slight, if it's a slight, I don't I don't really care because if it's, you know right. same through middle. And we're just gonna roll it Sunday and then yeah. afterwards go back to indoor anyway. Yeah. But anyway, I wanted to finish. We powdered the back of those arrows. We sprayed them with Emerson's foot powder and then shot it, and then checked the veins to see if the veins were making contact on the cables. Or, and then to make sure that the blade, the, the prong that was making more contact, wasn't touching the veins. And it's super interesting stuff, man. You can get away with a lot of, you can get away with a lot of stuff, like turning the arrow into the blade, mm-hmm. you know, to avoid the cable. So let me ask you a question. If you notice that the, the vein is touching the right side of the blade, which way do you rotate the knot? Uh, if the, if the, uh, blade is touching the right side of the... I'm sorry, the vein is touching the right side of the blade. Which way do you rotate it? Yeah, because that's... I've noticed that on most right-handed shooters uh-huh. like that are shooting blades, if they have blade contact, I always I notice that it's always on the right side. Do you have right or left helical veins? Okay, but how if you, you have left helical... How would you, how would you rotate the knot? I'm, I'm asking you a question. How would you rotate the knot? I would rotate the arrow, right? I'd leave the knot plugged into the string and rotate the arrow counterclockwise. Right. Counterclockwise. Yeah. And that will eliminate it. I would think so. Mm-hmm. I know you got, you got, like I said, you got to power test it. A lot of the shit that we tell you guys, um, you have to do. There's homework involved. Like, like shooting that arrow bear to see what direction it clocks naturally. Oh, but this is something, let's just say that's beyond somebody, right? And like right now, they're just getting a little bit of contact on that blade. Uh huh. Right? So you're just saying rotate the knock and it should be all right. And then maybe, and then or, like you said, it could be something where it's like you got to move your rest over a little. Yeah. Are these people shooting a bullet hole? Is a bullet hole beyond them? No. Uh, no, that's What I'm talking about is eliminating blade contact uh-huh. before you even start the tuning well, then, process. Because honestly, if you're getting, listen, if you're getting any kind of blade contact right now, uh-huh. if if any part of that vein is hitting the blade, then you're not gonna get as clean of an arrow flight. Well, you're not getting a true test. From the paper it's going to be flawed you're gonna you, you know what i'm saying it's yeah. sort of like you can't you can't you can't use the conventional tuning method if you're getting contact because you're going to get a false re- you're, you're getting, getting a, interference yeah you're getting a false result you're going to false positive you know it's just right so so if you're you know so if you if you start tweaking and moving the rest and stuff you're just going to get a, a bad result yeah so well if you're getting contact on the right blade i would say counterclockwise is how you want to rotate yeah. that arrow. Most likely, I would put money on it. Unless you're shooting like gigantic veins, you'll be okay. You can and then, and then, what ends up happening? 
then that right blade ends up coming closer to your cable, right? The 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 vein, mm-hmm. yeah, the vein will get closer to your cable. Yeah, but you can actually get. So pretty I, I was trying to, I was just trying to mess with you, I was trying to bait you there. But that's why when I say I I fletched my left heel goal with those big old fat shafts and uh-huh. I shoot them and I powder test them, never had any contact. Dude, I had right helical and no no uh, contact either. Yeah, it's trippy, huh? It's trippy. You gotta powder test it to see it. It's just all it's all homework. So basically, we just totally contradicted each other. So what does that tell you? You gotta just do these tests and figure out what's gonna run through your setup uh-huh. and make sure it works. But there, if you try them, you'll see that one way or another, you'll get a better result. You go down. So that, we're that we're path. like about an hour and twelve minutes. I think we're into it pretty deep here. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I think we've given people a lot. Um, go on Facebook and tell us if we sucked or if you thought this one was really helpful or if there's something, any kind of questions that you might have about what we were talking about or, you know, ask them some, ask us some questions for the next one. Um, and give us something to talk about. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, I, 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 there's about another 30, 40 minutes of stuff. I would still love to continue talking about indoor, but, um, we'll save that for the next one. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it next time, but please send us some questions. Um, rudecastarchery at gmail.com and uh, and hit me up on Instagram hit us up on Instagram Rudy the the Archer Wendeezy uh-huh I'm Wendeezy and uh, or go on our Facebook page rudecastarchery cool guys peace out peace out that will conclude this evening's entertainment 